0: The Institute of Functional Medicine has come up with four parameters of lifestyle that are equivalent to prescription strength medicine. So if you manage these four things well, you are taking four prescription level medicine. Okay. And those four things are sleep, stress management, physical activity, and
1: diet and nutrition. I'm here with Dr. Kim. We're talking about will people, will your kids, or even you be able to live to 700 years old? I've got a real MD here, not, you know, somebody who took an online class on uh, first aid and calls himself a doctor. And he specializes in this whole new world of aging, slowing the aging process. He says you can't reverse aging per se, but some people age in a little bit faster. We all know that true. You go back to your high school reunion. Some people look like they're already 700 years old and some people look like they haven't aged a day. So, Dr. Kim, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. We're gonna start out with the most controversial question of all. Will people being born today, children, grandchildren, live to 700 years old? So I'm gonna do a speed round. You're only allowed to give three answers. Yes, no, or maybe. As a medical doctor, what do you give it? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Maybe you give it a maybe so you don't you don't rule it out you don't rule it out i don't rule it out right i don't rule it out okay so for those of you with a little background dr kim's based out of walnut creek born in south korea came to the us at age 1 went to medical school in philadelphia went to the midwest for for residency training champagne urbana illinois moved to northern california been a family uh, physician but he's creating a new field of medicine or part of that. You're calling it valen gerontology, which is basically, what is that? Like how to live to 700? You should call it 700-ology, ontology. (laughs) Great. Uh, Yeah. So valen
0: is a Greek term that means strong and healthy. And so gerontology is obviously the study of aging and Specifically, it was the disease of aging, but really it can be just generalized as study of aging. So, what we're trying to do here is study healthy aging. Okay, we're trying to do what what now we consider not just about increasing lifespan, but increasing health span. So, what is health span? So, the Buck Institute of Aging has um, sort of prioritized there in this in their study and in their uh, motto that they're trying to create health span where it's free of disease. It's a life that's more functional um, and then and being able to do the things that you want to enjoy. Because if your lifespan is half of it's met with chronic diseases, which you're dealing with and ailing with, are you really enjoying life or being able to be functional?
1: I want to do something different on today's call. I want to just talk about my test results as kind of a litmus test or an example for somebody listening. So basically... For the last three, two to three years, every single month, almost every month, I've tested my blood. I've spent literally like two to ten thousand dollars a month testing every known test. I've done Spectracell and Nutrafol. I've done Wellness effects, I've done you know saliva adrenal tests. I've done uh, the Eliza food allergy, and there's a couple food allergy ones. It, I've done you know gut checks. I've done pretty much. If it's available, I've done spe- uh, DEXA, the DEXA truck for my body fat and, and muscle. And so I want to kind of go through. I sent you my results. Um, and I just want to talk about a few things because tell me if I'm correct. Basically, so this is what a friend of mine who's been spending millions of dollars on his own health. He, this guy wants to live forever. He's a very wealthy businessman. He says, his theory is there's two things we have to fix if you want to live to 700 years old. Number one, we have to clean our blood. Number two, we have to look at at the cellular level. So he doesn't focus so much on the hormonal stuff. I feel like a lot of stuff that you see talked about is like hormonal. Men are taking you know HGH or they ta- women are taking you know estrogen or, or or testosterone. So they think this is my friend's theory. Can I get you as a full fledged medical doctor? Your opinion is that is he on the right track? Is it blood and cells that kill us
0: that it's a it's too simple a question to ask that way. So the problem here is it's a combination of all of that and and that's the problem right now is that we have not structured our medicine to look at it in a in a more holistic global way. so it is not just his picking of blood and cells, but it's also the hormone signaling it's whatever toxins you've been exposed to, it's your genetic makeup and exposures, it's your microbiome, it's the bacteria. There are so many factors that make you you that we need to try to look around and figure out a way to measure that um, that gives us a good picture of what you're, how you're aging physiologically or or those kinds of measures. So one of the things that is a problem is lab testing, right? The problem with blood testing and lab testing is that we are often looking at parameters and treating that as the end-all, be-all. So really what we should be doing with lab testing is measuring you and following you and seeing how the results change based on the lab results. You know, one of the problems I've had in medicine is that a lot of people treat the blood work as though it is the Bible of the body, and that's it. We sometimes ignore the picture of the patient and one of the classic examples, you know, that have been supported is the kind of idea of thyroid disease and hypothyroidism. And we look at, you know, a person would come in maybe with the symptoms of thyroid uh, deficiency, you know, where they're gaining weight, they're starting to get depressed, they're feeling cold intolerance, their reflexes are slowing down, they're losing their hair and, and things of that nature that reflect a low thyroid state possibly. And then the, the blood is done by the doctor, and the doctor sees the blood test, and it comes back in this quote-unquote low normal range from the reference from the lab. But the problem here is that we don't know what his levels were when he was healthy, and maybe for him, low normal is a significant decrease. Right. So a lot of times, the doctor says, well, I thought it was your thyroid, but you came back in the low reference range. So it's more of your aging situation. you got to learn how to deal with it. So we can't treat you right now. Instead of looking at it in a way that says particular to him, saying maybe you are showing signs of the thyroid now, and and we should start treating you aggressively. Now, that's the other thing that's a problem with medicine is that medicine is black and white. Right. Medicine looks at things either as a disease or not, and most states are not that simple, especially in the chronic disease. There is a period that you're developing into the chronic disease. Now, there is now two recognized disease states that I can think of that are recognized in a pre-state, and that's pre-hypertension or pre-high blood pressure, and pre-diabetes, but really, pretty much all the chronic states can be looked at that way.
1: So you are saying you were saying like 20 years ahead of time, you can see diabetes potential? I mean, you see pre-diabetes? There was an article that
0: said that first signs possibly of diabetes actually show itself maybe even 25 years before overt diabetes comes into play. Now, I'm, I, I'm just referring to the title of the article, and I didn't even get to read into detail about that, but it was very interesting what they were saying as a headline, that diabetes may manifest as early as 25 years before it actually
1: becomes a disease diagnosis. So, but in that 25 years, can it be headed off? Can it be averted? Is it just more like a propensity? The system is very complex,
0: right? The human organism has many inputs and, and many signaling going on. And, and can, can, we, can we stop that? I'm, I'm sure we could. I'm sure there's ways that we can stop the progress before it gets into a man-made diagnosis of a state called diabetes.
1: Yeah, so let me ask you this. So as a businessman, I know you can only focus on one thing at a time or a few things. Like Confucius said, the man or woman who chases two rabbits catches none. So if somebody's listening and their main goal is, let's say, longevity or improved health or what fitness, if you could only pick three things to focus on, whether they be hormonal, blood, like what would the three be? And let's put them in priority order. What would be number one?
0: Well, I think that, again, it's a very individualistic to each person to figure out what their story is. But one of the first ones is looking at their genetic makeup, right? Okay. To figure out certain things related to their genetic, because that's where it all starts, right? Now, the complication with that is that the genetic makeup, obviously, is not just singular to the human species, meaning that we have a symbiotic relationship with a lot of Bacteria apparently, there are some numbers now that suggest that even though we are we have twenty thousand human DNA genes we're interacting with two million bacterial DNA genes huh. so that makes us really one percent human and ninety nine percent bacteria to, so, to some degree uh, if you can you, you can think of that kind of situation or make that case so it's not just your genes but the interaction of the other genes that you're being. Introduced to, and there are companies that are
1: looking at the whole program related to that and your exposures to certain bacteria and those kind of factors. So, for genetic makeup, what companies do you like to test for that? Is this Twenty Three and Me, Ancestry? Is it?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's all these companies: DNA, Life DNA, um, Pathway Genomics. There's that. That is the the early stages of trying to figure out which testing that we need to do. There's a there's a new company called Viome that seems to be looking yeah. at the whole microbiome plus their expression of those
1: and giving you a higher level of, of uh, input into your present health system. That was Naveen, that's the billionaire Naveen Jain. He was over here at the house and we did a, we did a show together and he started Viome, so it's pretty cool. So you, like, you think the idea behind Viome, which is we're not just going to test your blood, we're going to look at your gut. I mean, it's pretty, I, don't, I know, I'm not sure if it tests other things, but the gut is a big part of it. You think that's underlooked in modern medicine, uh, overlooked in modern medicine, understudied?
0: Understudied or assumed to be healthy and, and not, right now it's not, it's not very much looked at as, uh, as a source of a disease uh, issue, right? So, so in, in the way I look at things, I think hormones are very important for our signaling going forward for aging uh one of the tenets in this kind of belief of medicine is that we age because we lose or are deficient in our hormones not that we age and lose hormones right it's that we age because we lose those signalings that keep us relevant yes so it's and, and it's not just i want think about people think about hormones they think about testosterone for men and estradiol for women it's it's your thyroid it's your cortisol it's your human growth hormone it's it's the inner insulin levels it's a you know there's a lot of signaling that goes on that is Unbalanced as we get older from, from factors that are related to, you know, toxins and, and, uh, and the breakdown and, uh, just stress, what stress does to the body. So, you know, those kind of considerations. The Institute of Functional Medicine has come up with four parameters of lifestyle that are equivalent to prescription strength medicine. So if you manage these four things well, you are taking four prescription level medicines. Okay. And those four things are sleep, stress management, Physical activity and diet and nutrition. So managing those things well, and and getting guidance on those things can help you. Hopefully, you're basically equivalent to taking four prescription level medicines, and hopefully keep you away from the the medicines that people did it say. Did it say
1: weightlifting? I feel like weightlifting is massive. (laughs) Well, weightlifting is part of physical activity. When I was there at your office in person, you were talking about how you know, weightlifting. Because I I see physical fitness, a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna go on my treadmill and I'm gonna take a walk with my dog, and that's all important, but there is something magical about weights. My dad was a pro bodybuilder, and he literally, I remember growing up, my dad did not age. When he was 60 years old, he looked like he was 30. I posted a picture on my Instagram when he was in his 40s, uh, and and people were blown away, like, wow, how old's your dad? And I remember my dad hurt his thumb bench pressing when he was about 65. And within two years, he basically completely aged. He looked his age. I remember seeing him. I I was living out of state. And when I came back to see him, I was like, what happened? And my brother's like, he hurt his thumb. He couldn't lift weights for two years. And it's like his body just was, it was almost like weight lifting was a signal. And it just signaled to him, you're old now. And he just got old. Does that sound outside the bounds of of rational thought, what I'm thinking?
0: No, not at all. so what is what is the idea behind the weightlifting programs is that you're building a tissue, the muscle tissue, and that muscle tissue also signals sometimes more release of hormones to create that muscle build. Yeah. so so that is effective. I mean, there are you know the, these sort of exercises that are related to interval training. Or doing things where you get into an anaerobic, anaerobic threshold increases supposedly levels of testosterone, human growth hormone, naturally. Yes. So in essence, you're boosting you're boosting your levels with testosterone where you don't get that with cardio necessarily. Right. But the cardio exercise is just do more of your heart training and conditioning. Yeah. But the actual increases in hormone signaling for building muscle are related to those weightlifting exercises or those interval training when you become anaerobic.
1: So interestingly enough i had some friends from europe one guy's name is emil and he's a ufc fighter he's fighting in the ufc his first card he got on the main card in his first fight he's a really good fighter in europe so he's fighting i think in st louis in a couple months and his trainers were there with me and they said he just did the ufc kind of you have to do a test to show that you're you know able to fight and he basically came out as the most conditioned UFC athlete in the world, and UFC is already super. So he's like the most conditioned of the most. Conditioned. And I, so I asked him. We were at uh, Mel's Diner on Sunset Boulevard, and I said, "Emil, like, what?" I said, "What is your like secret? What do you do?" And he goes, "Simple. Keep it simple, stupid." And the more the older I get, that K, I, he said. There's this company, and I bought one, it's called, I don't, by the way, it's not an endorsement of them, I don't get paid, but it's called Polar Beat. It's an app, Polar Beat like heartbeat, Polar like polar bear. So he said, you buy this chest strap from them. So I bought it, it's like 50 bucks. You download their app, and it measures your heartbeat while you're working out. And he says, his secret is, he keeps it at 87% of max heartbeat. So you measure, like your max heart is 220 minus your age. So I think he's like, he's like 25 or something. So he goes, 195 is his max. So he does like 87% of that. Let's, let's say it's like a, a 170, right, something. He says, in one week, 60 minutes, keep it in that red zone and your VO. It's, so I wanted to ask you about this. VO, so what is VO2 max? I know a little bit. It's kind of a conditioning oxygen measure, but what do you think of VO2 max training?
0: Yeah. So VO2 max training is, you know, the Lance Armstrong, the whole idea that he has the highest VO2 max uh, that was recorded. It's all related to METs and how much burning of calories uh, that you efficiently burn, okay. how efficient your system is, so and what uh, what levels of activity you can achieve. Um, it's been used in stress testing measurements and and making sure that you, when they're measuring, you're seeing what levels of uh, metabolic, it's, METs stand for metabolic equivalence. And so you're trying to figure out you know what level of exercise they are tolerating and so you, you try to standardize that and VO2 max is another measure based on volume of oxygen you know that that is generated uh, or that's consumed and used efficiently in the body huh so when you when you measure VO2 max it means that you're you're able to use the oxygen more efficiently than anyone else to to burn the calories and and uh, and move forward with uh, producing energy.
1: Do you think that's a factor in longevity, living into uh, 700 to be able to have?
0: Without a doubt. There have been studies that have been showing that if your VO2 max drops below a certain level, I can't remember specifically, I think it might have been 30, you are more more at risk for being not on this earth after a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you definitely, need, you definitely need, I mean, if you think about it, it just makes sense. I mean, we are creatures of movement we have all this muscle that we're meant to use right and so if we don't use that that then our system is going to break down and it's not supported that way right now we're not the intellect person and we're we're still animals and it's creatures that need to use the muscles to to stay stay in in shape
1: so the million dollar body is kind of the name of this show it's the name of of a book i want to write and so just backing up what you said, over the last two to three years, as I've been testing my body, without a doubt, the thing that moves a lot of your hor- my hormones and some of my friends that I've got on the same thing heavy straining, heavy lifting, weightlifting, wrestling, jujitsu. Like it seems that for a man, like I shot, my, I have relatively high total testosterone. No, I've never taken, you know, this is not on steroids or anything. I've had my uh, testosterone as high my f- total testosterone in the 12 uh, I think either 1193 or 1293 and when I started three years ago it was like in the six600s, which is still decent six or 700 but I saw it shoot up with just some herbal stuff and but my my friend also Zach you're shot up right your testosterone you added like 200 points to it right uh, I thought more but- two or three hundred points so what do you think on some of this herbal stuff? So I know you're, you know, you you're a doctor. You can prescribe pharmaceuticals. Do you think that we'll get to age seven hundred partly by using natural medicines, or will it be all, you know, more invasive, stronger medicines, or will it be a blend?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be the the last one. It's probably going to be a blend of issues. So right now, what I'm trying to come up with is a formula related to the idea that we're trying to use your natural systems for as long as they can be used to create the necessary environment to keep you in good health. But at this present time, because of our, we have limited numbers of cells that that we have that will pass on, we still can't
1: just use the hormones to promote that. So you're saying you can't do a 100, you don't think we'll live to 700 completely just boosting with herbs and natural stuff our own body. It'll need to be some more powerful stuff.
0: Right, because, one of the studies that was done by a Nobel Prize winning technology is this whole idea of telomeres, that we have a certain limit of of divisions that are left in our cells that we reach a limit on that the cell won't divide any more uh, beyond that. And that basically keeps it from becoming a bad cell in a sense, right? Yeah. So so that factor is limiting in us right now. It's it's called the Hayflick limit. And it it's supposedly around when uh, measured to be around 126 at this present time. So we're about 126 is where the cells are for humans at this present time. But obviously, they're working on technology to add more these caps, these telomeres onto the end of the cell so it can go beyond that.
1: And we're not that far off from that right so now. So it's literally altering our DNA. Will it be an invasive surgery? You'll lay down and they'll inject something into?
0: Well, I mean, you know this CRISPR technology that um, that's just came out recently. I, I don't know if you've heard of that, where they can actually now put specific it's it's a micro scissor it's a you know microscopic scissor that can alter the dna so exactly huh and and it's being used now in dna technology to treat patients that have had um, known dna defects before they're even born possibly you know there are still fetuses uh, as an issue so so the technology is getting there that we're going to be able to do this molecular level alterations going forward and, and then uh, do it uh, after the fact that we're born and do it to alter our present systems. Yeah. And mainly and probably in
1: stem cells. So let's talk about that as we kind of wrap up here. I want to get into, cause this is what me and you have talked about. There's stem cell treatments. There's blood treatments now where people, you know, you see in, in, uh, the show Silicon Valley, you know, getting blood from younger people you see. And I had, um, uh, Steve jobs, physician came in and we did a talk on his book. I forget what, it was also on kind of end of aging and one of, Dr. August, A-G-U-S. And he told me the most research for anti-aging he found, the most valid research was around mice where they, or rats where they had put the blood of a younger one into the older. Can you talk about that? The validity of it, do you, do you feel like he does that there's a lot of good proof that this works?
0: Yes. So that is exciting technology that's, you know, st- it's right now in its incipient stages. People are going through clinical trials we're using this in Stanford. And there's a company called Ambrosia that I'm part of that's using those, those uh, young blood plasma treatments to help with the whole process of rejuvenation. And referring to the study, it's the study that was coming out of uh, the labs of Dr. Tony Whiskare, Dr. Amy Wagers. Uh, they were looking at this kind of conversion from the old mice uh, with the young mice blood. And, and so in their studies, it, specifically for Tony Wiskoray, who's a neurologist, he's looking for the treatment of the degenerative aging process and specifically Alzheimer's. So he has now done some clinical trials using Stanford um, with his uh, new company that he's developed called Alcahest to basically help them. And th- there was a press release recently showing that there were some positive results, a uh, very small limited study of 18 patients, but it basically was meant to show safety efficacy of Data, but it did show some positive results in the patients who went through the trial in relation to their alzheimer 's they 're very exciting to the concept that we can apply the the plasma from from the the source of young people to help with the aging population yeah. so, uh it's i think it's it 's one of the most powerful technologies that we 're going to have access to uh, eventually as modern medicine figures out the specific components it, it will work to their advantage i think it 's one of the things that that we have in plasma that we don't have in other vehicles yet is there's a combination of products there that are healthful, right? It's not just testosterone. It's not just giving the human... It's it's the mixture that's the interaction in plasma that seems to be very effective in in moving forward. Now, does the effects last is the question, and and we don't know
1: yet. What about side effects? You're taking blood from an 18-year-old and putting it in a 50- or 60-year-old. Are there potential bloodborne pathogens some kind of uh, allergic response potential
0: of course so the the nice thing about this product though it is already FDA approved for use in another manner so it already has gone through many years of basically testing and research to figure out some of those bloodborne pathogens that we want to make sure we don't obviously communicate over so the the plasma is filtered or or tested for, you know, the obvious HIV or syphilis of those kind of products. And then it can be tested for other things that other patients may specifically want to be tested for um, going forward, such as maybe Lyme's. So, so that is always a risk with plasma, with blood, because it's coming from a source that there's an infectious agent. So, you know, the other side effects are related to uh, histamine reactions from the, from the plasma. Uh, if you get a plasma incompatibility, you can get a rejection. So it's not you know, just a treatment that you can do over the counter. You do have to have it in a medical office to see what kind of uh, effects it may you know, uh, render. For the most part, it, you know, the idea is that the reactions from plasma are much less than giving it with plaque red blood cells. The yeah. plaque red blood cells have much more of a severe uh, reaction that can be very dangerous.
1: So let's talk about, so yeah, it's not the red blood cell. It's the yellow kind of plasma looking. Yeah. Right, right. So last question before we wrap up here, let's talk about stem cells because stem cells are all over the news. Are stem cells going to be part of us getting to age 700? Do you think that we're going to be taking, for example, there's different stem cells, the fat, the blood. I went to the top guy here in Beverly Hills who does kind of pioneer the fat where you take out of your back fat, like liposuction, and they spin it out, and he says fat is 10 years back, so it's like you get your re-inject from 10 years ago. I went to a top guy who does uh, bone marrow, but he does more specific, like if you hurt, like Kobe Bryant did, what was it, PRP for his knee? I got this, I actually heard him, I sat next to him at his last three games as a Los Angeles Laker, and he was talking to some of the other players, so I heard him say, you know, he feels like his knee is young again, But you also have talked about this umbilical, which there's been some ethical stuff. So can you talk to us umbilical and all things stem cell? What do we need to know? Or what does someone need to know if they want to try to live to 700 or have their kids live to 700?
0: Without a doubt, you're going to need stem cells uh, for your future to get to get to level eight of the aging process. You know, one of the concepts is obviously one of the reasons why we pass on is that we don't have stem cells anymore to reproduce the cells. So, you know, the stem cell concept is related to the idea that these are the cells that help replenish and repair those cells that are dying. I mean, you know, the human body has 40 trillion cells. How do you replace and replenish those cells that keep on uh, passing on? You need the stem cells. You need the cells that are in the background, reproducing, recreating those cells that you need for function, your cells for brain, your cells for gut, your cells
1: for the heart, the pancreas, all those those tissues are going to be needed to move forward. So are you, what are you doing as a doctor? Are you taking these umbilical stem cells and injecting them into some of your patients? That's one of the
0: possible avenues of treatment is using umbilical source stem cells as a matter of uh, rejuvenation for factors related to diseased lungs or diseased hearts of that nature. Um, you know, there's no FDA approved use of the stem cells partic- uh, as of yet. Um, in in those kind of situations, the umbilical source stem cells have been used as a treatment for hematopoietic or blood disorders like leukemia. That's where it's been used and and been very successful in the beginning. Hmm. The cells that we use from fat, you know, that that really hasn't been looked at very strongly for any FDA indications that I can recall at this time. We talk about some of the other indications of stem cells. Well, PRP has minimal stem cells because if you think about it, there's always cells floating in our blood. If we ever injure ourselves, nature has created that situation that there's a small amount of stem cells because otherwise we would bleed out. It needs to create that tissue healing right away so that we don't bleed out. So there's always stem cells in that, in that area. But most of the applications of stem cells to this day have been more orthopedic joint and aesthetic. Yeah. But definitely we are moving toward where stem cells potentially can be you know, at some point, uh, get to a point where we can actually engineer tissues from your own cells and rejuvenate. So, you know, there's been some science shows that show that you can get tissue and organ banks from your own stem cells that are in, you know, that, that have created this situation of lives that are falsely created. I I can't remember the show was, I think it was with Ewan McGregor and was in it, but in any case, um, the idea is that at some point, we're going to be able to take the stem cells and create the organs that you need for your body as it fails. Yeah. You know, replenish those cells. So one of the most exciting technologies that has recently come back that we used to think stem cells were unidirectional, that we can only go in one direction with the cell growth. Like once a cell differentiates, it becomes that cell. But there are now something called IPSCs, induced pluripotent stem cells. Okay. These cells have actually been re- reverse engineered. So you can get your own cell. You can get a cell that's already been differentiated. You can
1: manage a technology now and make it back into a stem cell that can go into become other tissue. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that versus just take newborn or uh, umbilical, which is already undifferentiated?
0: Right, right. So it's your own source cells versus umbilical, which is not yet your source, right? And the idea is that what if you don't have any stem cells left still or something should happen? The idea is that you can now reverse engineer those cells that are still existent
1: to form something else. So if somebody's 85 years old, they don't have many stem cells, yeah.
0: They don't have it right now, exactly, yes.
1: Do you think, so for someone listening that has a parent, a grandparent that's getting old, 75, 80, do you think it's outside the bounds of rationality to consider some of these more extreme technologies, stem cell, blood rejuvenation? What is the name of the blood one? It's got a name. It's like where you... Uh, the young. blood. Uh, well, it's young plasma. Okay. Young plasma. Young blood plasma. But um, the name of the the experiment they did on rats, where they connected them, that had a name. I forget. Oh, para- parabio. Parabiosis. So, do you think if you parabiosis or this young plasma and these things for people who are seventy or eighty, is that outside? Is that too crazy? Too aggressive?
0: No. Uh, so, if you ask the question, if I would do it to my grandparents, yeah, would you suggest parents. to your my grandparents. grandparents yeah. If they're, yeah yeah I would suggest it as a means to, to treat my loved ones because what is the other alternative? they're just going to continue aging right? You and I talked about this as an idea is that you know one of the things that we're trying to do in this kind of medicine is stop the accelerated aging that we're yes. going through right yes from the problem is that we have all of these things from stress from toxins um from just our genetic makeup that are causing us to exage more rap- or age more rapidly than maybe we should be yeah. And so if we can do things to help, you know, slow that down, yes. maybe that will help us from getting into these chronic disease states. You know, one of the things that I try to emphasize when I see patients is my, my role is now switching from being a reactive doctor, yeah. where I'm just waiting for you to get sick and then treat you, to being proactive, to yes. being personalized, precise, and to be preventative. I'm trying to get it so that I try to follow you and figure out what are those things that are occurring to you before it becomes a problem. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out the parameters, looking at things like oxidative stress markers where your DNA is starting to show some early damage. Can that's, can we say that now that will lead to cancer? So if we stop it early, we're preventing or stopping the cancer from coming on. Those are the kind of things that I'm trying to look into doing with my medicine, the medicine that I'm creating in valingerontology.
1: Yeah. They have the slow food industry. You're talking the slow aging industry which is a great idea you can't stop aging right so anti-aging seems to be such a
0: bad term in terms i mean you don't want to stop aging i mean aging helps mature things it's it's a good thing sometimes right but we don't want to age where we're not functional where we're so right so problem-ridden that it makes it no fun anymore to be living
1: dr kim thanks for being on the show where's the best place for people who want to follow up with you learn from you where should they go
0: uh, well, so I have three present locations right now in Napa, San Francisco, and in Walnut Creek, California, on the East Bay of, of, the, of the San Francisco issue. My, my, my Probably the best number to reach me at right now is my phone number at 925 979 0979. But also, they can reach me on the email, which is my name, Paul H. Kim MD, and it's at uh, gmail.com. What about your website, website? What's your website? <laughs> So right now my website which just still going through some construction is prevymd.com.
1: Prevy. So P R E V I. Yeah, which stands for prevention and vitality. So that's why I came oh. up with Prevy. Well, thanks for being on the million dollar body show. I appreciate it. We'll yeah, be Yeah. Thank touch. you for having me. Have a good night.